Hi, this is Jackie Fry, design ops leader and part-time sociologist. And this is Allison Rand, design ops leader and cognitive neuroscientist in training. And you are listening to In Common. Woo! Amazing. That makes me think of, I, I have to tell you, and if you haven't watched it yet, uh, Dolores, the documentary Dolores about Dolores Huerte. Mm-hmm. Um, she was uh, Cesar Chavez's like right hand in uh, the organizing of the AFL-CIO, uh, grape, <laughs> the grape workers strike. Oh she is amazing. You'll love it. Watch that documentary. And I, I watched the whole time. Not only am I just like um, a brown woman and to see like someone with authority like that and to feel and to see someone like that. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I look like that. I even picked and showed my husband, like, have you ever done one of those videos where it looks like this is what you're going to look like when you get older? I was like, it looks, yeah. it, I look like Dolores Quarte as she gets older. I was like, oh my gosh, Sean. <laughs> but she was, it was just so nice to see her in um in that way and she's just so passionate about that and I relate to her as a working mom being passionate about topics I mean sometimes fatally flawed like my husband jokes that like uh at my funeral they're going to talk about design operations (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I don't want that I don't want that at all do not bring up design <laughs> operations. And if I'm sure, oh God, poo poo poo, um, talking about your funeral, but you probably will have the, you will have the plans in order so that it will be beautifully executed. No way. <laughs> or they'll be like, she would be so disgraced about how all this went down. <laughs> I keep it simple. Uh, Play these 10 songs in a row, cry at song five. It's fine. I've actually been thinking about that, but there is like so much um, like in this time when it's hard to focus on anything really well, I have also been thinking about that. Like the passion in work or the things that we talk about. Is it worth it? You know? uh, Well, I mean, I, I guess like, if if it's fulfilling yeah sure i I absolutely saw that in that documentary and i and it helps me like i do think the work i'm doing is incredibly fulfilling it's so much fun i get to be with people i love to be around but there is sacrifice as a working mother like you spend eight hours you know working and and sometimes more 10 12 hours a day in commutes or working with people and then you get to spend maybe two hours with your kids before it's bedtime yeah. you know but and and that's and it was interesting because in the in the documentary they they talked to her kids and they struggled with it i mean she was you know intensely passionate about the and so smart so so smart but it's like you know how we spend our energy right now is is so like i don't know i feel like we're under a magnifying glass and to see that at in obviously different circumstances different times but i'm just i'm so reflective about the concept of time and mm. how i'm spending my time what am i focusing my intentions on my passion on is it focused in the right way should I be spending three hours on my budget every night? I, I tell my husband, it's like, I'm going to go run the numbers. And he's like, don't run the numbers. Don't run the numbers. 
I love yeah. a budget. I can't I mean, help it. I know. It, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the answer to that question is is super individualized. But at the end of the day, what are you going to be most remembered by? Please, no. <laughs> well, at your funeral, but like for you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to feel like you are happiest? Um, in terms of where you put your energy and time and, and what you got out of it. I was with, I was like having these Saturday drinks with my friends, um, my, all my old friends from like growing up and every one of them was like, I'm so happy to have this time with my kids. And I was the only one who was like, why am I the only one struggling right now? And like all of my friends are like, you know, like working women driven, you know, um, some of them have been impacted by this situation more than others, but I was like, and then I just felt really guilty. I was like, why am I not like, oh, I'm so happy to have this time with my kids. It's like, well, I'm not sure. You're like, I don't feel like I've been given a gift of time, but maybe because there's this anxiety looming over us of like I'm super comfortable living and working through ambiguity, but this is a whole different level of ambiguity. And so it's hard for me to relish anything at the moment. Like I don't want to lose my job. Um, I don't want my husband to lose his job. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to spend time with my kids. I wish I was running around the backyard, but I feel distracted when I do, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it should be the right moment to reflect on the ways in which we spend our time, but also, is it? It's, yeah. Is it? I mean, there's a global pandemic. People are dying. So yeah, it would like seem like the rightful time to say like, how do I want to spend my time? And I should be more present and focused, but it's, you know, it's just, there's so many anxieties around. Well, I adore you. I, I'm glad we're spending time together. Me too. This I love. This I love. Well, you ready? You ready to do this? I'm super ready. Let's do this. We are so excited today to have Connie Liu from Project Invent join us on the In Common podcast. Welcome, Connie. Thank you. So good to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about Project Invent and uh, what y'all do. Sure. So we're a national nonprofit working with high school students around the country, getting them inventing technologies for social good. So they follow a year of design thinking, engineering, and entrepreneurship to uh, invent solutions to problems in their own community. Everything from smart wallets help the blind detect bill denominations or football helmets that can detect early signs of concussion um, have been invented by our students. And they do that um, by really being able to find ways to apply design um, and redesign the world around them. I think one lesson we always want every student to take away is the world around you is designed and you can make a change in it. Oh, I love that. Allison. I know. Oh, it's so oh. good. It's so good. It's so good. And I've been so inspired since we first met um, and started talking by the work that you're doing because I feel like you're doing the you're doing the good work. You're doing that like fundamentally important work of I think what is uh, the most meaningful about design impact and bringing it in at like you know much earlier on. 
Uh, so I would love to know a little bit more about, or to hear, to hear a little bit more about what brought you to this place. Like what inspired you to start Project Invent? Mm-hmm. Happy to talk about that. I mean, for me, uh, I spent most of my K-12 life in public schools and then ended up going to MIT to study engineering. And for me, once I entered college um, and started uh started a degree in mechanical engineering, one of the first projects I got to work on was called Finger Reader, which was a camera mounted on a ring to help blind people read on the go. And working on that project and being able to uh, speak face-to-face with blind individuals, learn about what challenges they face day-to-day, and convert my own creativity and empathy into something that could really change someone's life was one of the most empowering and transformative moments for me in my whole education, up until however old I was, 18. Mm. Um, And uh, that that kind of um, uh, put uh, flipped on a switch in my head of why isn't all education like this and why can't all students be empowered by their learning rather than uh, just uh, look to to memorize facts or bubble in answers. Education could be so different in how we prepare students to make an impact in the world. Um, so I became really passionate about changing how and what we teach in classrooms. And that's what led me to Project Invent. I mean, it's fascinating. I, I mean, I love so many people think about doing things like this, but don't actually do that. Um, and I, I love this hybrid thinking that you have, whereas you're, you know, you're studying mechanical engineering. Um, I have in my past life as a design consultant worked really closely with mechanical engineers too. And I just love um, the partnership with the, the kind of physical, digital design, that whole space. And so uh, I'm curious, like when you made that shift, like where, what was the, what was the moment where you felt like you wanted to shift more and not just like build this thing, Project Invent, but really like be, build a design led type of organization as a mechanical engineer? Yeah, I think in engineering, so much of it is sometimes focused on just making things that work. And when I learned about design thinking and human-centered design, it was such a like, well, duh, of course you want to follow <laughs> what your user needs rather than just building something that um, can have all the gears turn at the right time and turn um, uh, and, and be able to work when you want it to. Um, and I think those stories and kind of going into um, engineering, what I had always wanted to do was design for impact and learning about the way that you can listen to humans and be able to integrate that into how you create things that can work better for people was just such a um, uh, a homecoming for me. Of, mm. This is uh, the way I want to design and create for the world. So you you're with you're you're out there with high school students, right? Like all around, just students. Like how many of these people know about design? I know I didn't you know, realize design was a career. I was definitely tended to like lean into careers and more around creative, um, like from apparel to, you know, um, furniture and, and sort of industrial design. But like, I didn't realize like design as we, as it is now, like uh, digital and product design sort of were paths until all of a sudden I'm, I'm in tech and you realize, oh, this is critical to the process. And now it's even more like every day, like advancing to have a different role at the business. So like, how do, what are these people, how do they engage? Like, how do they think about these roles in design? How do, how do, what is their interpretation of 
of this opportunity as a career? Yeah, that's such a good question because as much as I say, like learning about design was such a no-duh moment for me, I didn't have that vocabulary in high school and even through most of college of what it was that I wanted to do. And I knew that I was drawn to humans and I liked building things that mattered. And that is what design is, but I didn't have the word design. I had the word engineering at the time. Um, so, so much of Project Invent is also democratizing this idea of what design is. I think the more I um, uh, kind of shift from the engineering world and the design world into the education world, I just see so, so many overlaps between the goals of education and um, the principles that are taught in design. And uh, what, what we see in education is um, when we think about 21st century learning and redesigning the classroom, people talk about the four C's a lot of teaching students how to be creative and collaborative and know how to communicate. and when you look at the design world, that's actually exactly what you're taught when you are practicing design. When you're looking at the world around you critically and thinking about how can it be designed better, you're doing that on a team and you're learning how to fail and you're learning how to do things in new ways. Um, so, so much of all of this has been uh, education and what the future of education needs is design education, like it's synonymous. Mm. Mm. I walked through when I was dropping my set off at pre-K, my youngest son, I would go through these halls and they would just be like, the design thinking process. And that one one of one of the signs says, the engineering design process. And I was just like, whoa, I've never heard that because that's what it's called. <laughs> and I used to take pictures just to get a giggle at it because it was like the engineering design process. I was like, okay, that's a new way to say it. I love but, how that was at pre-K too. Yeah, no, yeah. it's everywhere. I think like, it's almost like the new scientific method, it feels like, is like everybody's like, and I'm like, well, we still need both, we still need both of those. Like, you know, like, it's like, if you're a growth designer or in the sort of growth feel, you need to have that like uh, hypotheses, experimentation sort of culture. Like, it's so funny, like, in some ways, this language that feels totally like just, what our professional world is, is entering into um, education, into STEM learning and all of that. But I still think, even though it's all around them, I still don't think a lot of people, a lot of children realize that there's careers in design mm -hmm. um, very frequently. Yeah, they, they I, I think this is the first step of their learning about design as a process. Um, and what would be so beautiful is what if there were a future where everyone was so well trained to just consider the needs of humans and um, follow this design process or that there actually doesn't need to be a siloed career for designers. Everyone has that mindset going into how they uh, create and how they make already. And I think that would be so cool of um, what if we no longer needed the role because everyone already thought like that. Yeah, well, I've actually thought goes, about that. There goes my job security. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> That's my Goodbye. role. Get rid of your job. Design obsolescence. Yes, I'm a program manager. I know at one day, at one point, my my efforts will 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 just be inculcated into culture and that's that is that is a win 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 for a lot of people yeah but i wonder and yeah it is definitely uh an idealistic state i wonder what your thoughts are on you know i would imagine that 
the schools that are in the better neighborhoods or have more parental involvement are the ones that have this like design thinking on the walls in their pre-Ks. Um, and that actually infiltrating the public school system is a long game, right? Um, so what are your thoughts about that? Like, what is the process that you're taking to actually um, meet people where they're at ex instead of, you know, being finding yourself in places that are more amenable to what you have to say? Yeah, I mean, that's so true to my experience as well because I wasn't, ex I wasn't exposed to the idea of design until I went to a very ivory tower place, MIT. And then right after that, I taught at a private school where design was just part of their ethos and part of the culture. Um, and only after that, uh, was, and, and being able to be in those spaces as kind of my sandbox to explore design and really understand what design looks like in the classroom um, in order to go out there with Project Invent and think about, okay, now how do we democratize these processes that we talk about as um, anyone can be an innovator, anyone can be a designer, but for some reason it's still only taught in the most elite institutions. So a lot of um, my goal with Project Invent is how do we democratize this language and this way of thinking so every single public school and every single high school in, uh, in America has design education baked in. Um, so in the past few years, it's really been getting a lot more schools who normally wouldn't be looking at design um, as a way of learning uh, into their schools. So for Project Invent, we always have a commitment of 50% or more of all the schools we serve are low income or title one schools. Um, so we're always sticking to that commitment of we don't want design to just be a, a, a way of thinking for the elite. Everyone should have the ability to create and define what our future looks like. And everyone needs to be empowered with that sort of thinking. My son school where design thinking and all these signs around design thinking is it's a pretty, uh, you know, it's, I live in Atlanta. I don't live in a super wealthy part of Atlanta and it's not a high parent engagement, sort of not super well funded from a community standpoint. Uh, it's one of, it's an inner city school and you know, like I love it and I look to volunteer and to share my knowledge and to just see it there is special. But like still these, these kids don't, they're seeing something on the wall that still feels different yeah. for them. Right. Like I, I think that yeah, I love how you're talking about just, you, I, we, we in our, sort of prior to us, this interview, we had talked, it's like everything around you is design and design is all around you. Just sort of like design is, it's not, it, you don't have to go to these immense schools that like, be very frank, like all us on the call have had the luxury of going to um, in different, you know, ways, but like what, what this help us get into sort of this like your truth that you found and just that it you know where can people pick up this design work where where can they how can they understand what it what it means mm -hmm. and i feel like you guys um have gone through this career path of pursuing design and I think for the next generation, my hopes are so much in conveying this message of you don't need a degree to be creative and you don't need a degree to have empathy for other. These are all things that we should be teaching in schools anyway. And that should just be the 
base level foundations that you enter into whatever career you go into. I think the really beautiful part about design is that really there are skills that can be used in any field. Like think about how powerful it would be if you're a designer um, who becomes a doctor. Like you're just gonna be treating your patients better and you're gonna be able to better uh, serve them because you are always um, uh, thinking about how you can have your ear tuned to their needs. um, And and that's gonna be valuable whether you're a doctor or a teacher or an engineer um, or a service worker or anything. Oh, I love that. I also, yeah, and I think that the way that you're approaching it is fascinating because it, it really is a systemic approach. Because if you target kids at a certain age, you know, or in in school, then you know, then the idea is that they'll have impact on a broader system in the way that they think. And less. And right now, there's so much conversation. Um, our last guest. Alexis Lloyd, we talked about society-centered design, and I think this is a really um, relevant Mm -hmm. topic of the moment because we're all living in our homes during this pandemic. Um, What does it mean for these kids who are living in whatever circumstance that they're living in to have to be given these tools to think about things from a a much broader kind of design perspective, but also um, in ways ways in which they can actually um, have more impact on society and less about like this one problem to solve and more about these community kind of levels to solve. Or do you see, um, do you see that happening now in the work that you're doing or do you foresee that happening more broadly after or yeah, definitely. Passes, I guess. My my hope would be so through Project Invent, students are going through a year of solving one problem, one problem that they notice in their community and that they uh, design a solution for. Um, but our hope is that they're taking away these really core lessons of empathy and creativity and resilience to failure. And now they're seeing that this problem that I thought was just a fact of the world, for example, homelessness or mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, like shelter animals. These mm-hmm. are just things that exist that I cannot touch. Maybe I can adopt a pet or maybe I can donate. Um, but now they're seeing that they can actually apply their creativity, come up with something that has literally never existed before and be able to see that they have agency to change anything around them. So it goes much beyond the single project that they work on and becomes how they approach the world. And I think one, um, uh, I'm a very data-driven person, so one piece of data that I always look at is how often are students opting into continuing the work they do. I think you rarely see in schools that students will continue a school project after it is due because they were working towards that due date. Um, but what's really special about Project Invent is that their work exists outside of the classroom. Their work is something that, if um, uh, given to the world, could really change it. Um, So we see 73% of all of our students deciding to continue their work from that prototype that they turn in at the end of the year to pursuing patents and pursuing production. And many of these students were never exposed to engineering or design beforehand, but they have so much hope and trust in the impact that they can make that that um, it fuels them to continue working on making an impact and making um, the world more in the vision that they wanna see it. 
like round of applause clap. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> awesome. My, like I, listening to you, I was like, innovation doesn't ask permission. Mm. And I think a lot of these people, a lot of people in the system, you feel the system, you feel the demands of society, or if you're, you know, what, what it means to be uh, low income, it's, it's a limited amount of choices. Um, I, I see it all the time, you know, like, again, just living here in Atlanta, and I know, like, we, we all live in different diverse communities, uh, all three of us do, but um, so fascinating to hear you talk about that. Innovation isn't going to ask permission. Innovation, uh, and to have more of that mindset gives them uh, a, a so much more empowering. Yeah. It's so much more empowering, and I think it also forces this, like, more of the conversation around inclusion, because if you're giving the opportunity to, to people who might never have had the opportunity or presenting them with this like type of education or however it is. Experience, um, really. Experience, really. Uh, yes, right? It becomes less about, to your point, uh, that fancy education you had, more about this diversity of thought and how you could potentially shift that funnel of the way tech and design are um, being built yeah, right now, you just right? Those diverse perspectives coming in. And right now we only have a certain very thin sliver of the population able to kind of allow their ideas to bubble to the top. But what if we allowed every idea to bubble to the top and what would our world look like if that were the case? I've heard, I've heard some, I've heard someone talk about this and that if you really truly want to diversify, like you, okay, let's take two steps back, but design and human centered design requires diversity of thought, right? You are empathizing, you're yeah. building teams that are diverse, but there's challenges to building teams that are diverse right now, right? Like you could have gender diversity, you could have race and ethnicity diversity, but if we all still came from the same schools, we might have different upbringings, but we're all inculcated into the design practice through the same systems of schooling. There's, there's similar thought there. And well, it's also really, that network effect too. It's just yep. like, you're just the, con the continuum of the same network effect. The, what was it? Uh, meritocracy, right? Yes, so that's sort of the meritocracy and it, and they will be, and, and there is, you know, advances in diversity. And I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm so lucky, uh, but also worked really hard. And I am one of those diverse voices um, in design, but the same time, like, it, there it's so you kind of have this like bubble of like appearance of diversity but there's another layer to really diversify this you have to get people realizing and this is kind of like my prodding is just like design is an opportunity i can be a designer much early on in their career mm -hmm. or in their understanding like my ideas are valid even before i have a degree in yeah and i don't and that i can be innovative i can be creative mm -hmm. uh to some to people who aren't necessarily told that in society like, so, you know, like I, I can get really into some social, um, oh social politics here and I'll pull, I'll pull myself back. <laughs> pull it back. I'll pull it wow. back. But I do think that the work you're doing is the real systems rewiring it will take to diversify uh, mm -hmm. an industry and a practice like design. And I cannot applaud you enough and keep like cheering you on from the sidelines. And also like, if we, how do we get involved in Project Invent? But I'll also shut up and let you talk for a little while. <laughs> 
Well, I feel like one thing we also see for the students is that, especially for the students who are coming from lower income or harder backgrounds, like they have this resilience um, to failure baked into them that some that that they just. Um, uh, can by introducing design as a new language, um, they have a new place to channel all of that as well. Of I can make change in anything I see, and that's going to be really powerful for them to be able to see. Like I don't need to slot myself into some career path that like um, uh, just because people say it's good for me. Like I can come up with my own ideas, or like be an entrepreneur, or pursue whatever path I want because now they're equipped with this toolbox of okay, go be empathetic towards what needs I see. Then I can find opportunities um, to be able to create something that has value to people, and then create my own. Uh, well-being and be able to create create my own hustle and I think that's really powerful as a way of empowering youth um, to raise themselves out of whatever situation they're in as well I feel like it's just um, so incredible to me uh, all the times when I unpack design about like how many layers there are of ways that can impact youth um, and, and generations of people to be able to uh, create and be innovative and just be more human yeah. And you're really, uh, you're really pressure testing this kind of American meritocracy, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like what's happened in design is that that's it, like, uh, I don't know, I kind of call bullshit on whether like whether or not it's actually a thing anymore. And so, <laughs> right, right. So by doing this, you're saying like, we're going to give you the tools now let's open up that funnel and see how we can actually infiltrate the system. And that going back to that like system rewiring, what it's actually going to take yeah. from, you know, at this point in our industry from the bottom up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it really is just like empowering. Uh, it, it's like, I, I almost think of it as a multiplier on human, human mm -hmm. rather than thinking of it as, um, uh, like you're, I feel like engineering, you can think of as like, okay, you're, pro you're provided these new skills that you can use um, of like using the tools in a tool shop or being able to calculate stress and strain on a material. Cool. Um, but I think of design as um, this multiplier on helping you express your creativity and all those ideas that are kind of simmering inside of you, but just bringing them out for the first time. Um, and I think that's what's so powerful about teaching design, where uh, for us, we really don't care what careers the students pursue, whether that's as a like capital D designer or mm -hmm. whether that's as someone in STEM, um, really doesn't matter to us because at the end of the day, every single field can benefit from people coming in with more of a design mindset. Uh, so at the beginning of this, Allison said, you're doing the good work, Connie. Mm -hmm. You're doing the good work. And where I'm from here in Atlanta, we call that doing the Lord's work. So thank you <laughs> for doing it. So thank you for doing the Lord's work. I'm, I'm just, I know I know there's other you know, fans of, of Project Invent and what y'all are doing. So really, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and, and 
I want to like future Jackie thanks you because you are definitely doing work that will um like I said rewire the system and hopefully future your your pre-k son will be doing project invent when exactly. oh I hope so oh my gosh <laughs> if you like today's episode with Connie Liu she recommended checking out creative confidence by David Kelly here's a few things she loved from it I, I read it uh probably a maybe like five, six, seven years ago now, but I found the copy again recently and I realized that I basically highlighted every line. So it's oh my useless. Gosh. That's the best book. That's the book. That's that the best best useless book. highlights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all of it was uh, like, amen. Yes. <laughs> and to find out more about Project Invent, go to projectinvent.org. If you want more from me, Allison Rand, and me, Jackie Fry, go to InCommon.Design. Alrighty, that's our show. Ciao. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.